Hello and welcome to the very first community call. This call is hosted by the General Youth Division of the United Pentecostal Church International and is sponsored by your generous giving to Sheaves for Christ. This is Michael Enzi, and I am joined today by our General Youth Secretary, Matthew Johnson. Glad to have him on the call. A little bit later, he'll be conducting some Q&A with our special guest, and we're requesting that you would ask questions via Twitter using the hashtag AskGYD. You can ask questions, and our speaker, Matthew Johnson, will be facilitating that a little bit later. We're also glad to have our Director of Promotion, Joshua Carson, who you will also hear from at the end of the call. We're also thankful to have our producer on today, our community call producer, Matthew Woodward from Fredericton, New Brunswick. Appreciate the work that he is doing to help us conduct this monthly youth workers call. We just concluded a dynamic community meeting in Nashville, Tennessee. Over 400 youth workers were there for a life-changing weekend. It was just incredible, powerful general sessions, altar services, a lot of practical instruction through our workshops and our lab sessions. I highly recommend that you purchase the drop card from generalyouthdivision.com. You can go to our online store and purchase the drop card to get all the audio and video and a lot of other resources from the community meeting. We're thrilled to have you on the call today, whether you're joining us live or via the podcast. Thank you for, the, for taking the time to listen in. We appreciate the work that you do in your local church. We recognize that our success, as far as the General Youth Division is concerned, is based 100% upon your success on the local level. It's a very unique day that we're living in. Paul said in the end times that there would be terrible times, and we're experiencing that. And yet at the same time, we are seeing unprecedented growth, unprecedented revival, and involvement from our students like never before. And we believe our greatest days are ahead of us. The purpose of the General Youth Division is to educate and engage. We want our students and our youth workers uh, to have training and resources and then have opportunities to utilize those tools. So thank you for being a part of this call today. I want us to begin with prayer as we conduct this call. We want the Holy Ghost to join with us and be with us throughout this time. Lord, we're so thankful for the opportunity that you have given us to serve you, to serve your kingdom, to be a part of your great work, to be able to serve the students of our churches. And we pray right now that your spirit would join us on this call. Every youth worker who is listening right now, I pray your blessing upon them, upon their team, upon the students that they lead in the church that they are a part of. We thank you for our special guest and pray your blessing and anointing upon him as he shares with us today. We ask it all in the name of Jesus. Praise God. We are very blessed today to have a special guest with us, but of David McGovern. He is a church planner in the greater Los Angeles metro area, formerly a youth pastor, a very effective youth pastor, and a member of the SoCal District Youth Committee. Still preaches a lot of youth camps, youth conventions, very connected with youth ministry and youth culture. And his topic today is going to be engaging culture. We're so thankful to have Pastor David McGovern with us. Pastor McGovern, take it away. Well, it's so good to be on the call today. And um, I just want to give a, a shout out to my friends on the General Youth Division for the invite. It's always an honor to be involved with anything that the General Youth Division does. And I'm excited about the future of this resource. And uh, it's a special honor to be the first speaker uh, for this. And um, I just want to 
jump right in to my topic tonight and want to welcome all of our uh, student pastors and youth workers and everybody else tuning in from all over the country. And um, I'm talking tonight about engaging culture. I um, I love to camp. I'm a I'm a big camper. Uh, it's it's one of one of the highlights of my year every year is to is to just kind of get out in into the wilderness and camp a little bit. We've got some great camping spots here in California, and um, I'm not talking about you know fancy camping. I'm not talking about glamping, Pinterest camping. Um, I'm, I'm talking about real camping and um, talking about just getting out with a tent under the stars. And my wife does not like to camp. She is not a camper. And um, huh, I remember our first year of marriage, I finally convinced her to go camping with me. And she asked if I was going to rent an RV. And I said, no, we're just going to go out and get in the tent. And um, so we, we, we just set up a tent and we started to camp. And my, uh, my wife was pregnant at the time and it, <laughs> it was not, it was not pretty. And she told me, she said, if we're ever going to go camping again, then um, you're going to rent me an RV. And so the next year came around, it was time to go camping. And, um, and she said, do you have the RV? I said, no, I don't have an RV. And she goes, well, then I'm not going camping. And she was serious. So I rented an RV and, and we, we went camping and that's how we do. She goes in an RV and I set up a tent outside. Um, I, I love to camp. And, and I, lo I like to think about apostolics engaging culture in terms of, of tents. Um, a, a tent is a portable shelter designed to be constructed and utilized in temporary environments. The world we live in and all the systems of the world and all the culture of the world and all the society of the world are temporary environments for the Christian. We are not permanent residents here. We are not of this world. Jesus was praying for his disciples in John 17, and uh, verse number 14, uh, he said, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, he says again, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent it, as you sent me into the world, so have I sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. It's pretty straightforward. Jesus makes it clear. If you are his follower, you are not of this world. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. So Christ's mandate to his follower is to, is to not pursue permanent residence in the culture of the day. Christ's mandate to you and I is, is to not pursue the comfortability found within the excess of more permanent shelters. Indeed, Amos said, woe unto them that are at ease in Zion. But, but the mandate that Christ gave us regarding the world is to reach the world while not loving the world. Jesus, or John said, love not the world, 
neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We are world changers, not world chasers. We are culture creators, not culture curators. We have been called to go into all the world, but not allow all the world to go into us. As it pertains to our culture today, we are tent makers. We are tent dwellers. So what does this look like in a practical sense? Because although we are not of this world and we are not, we are in this world, so clearly the mandate is to affect the world without falling to, into affection with the things of the world. We are tent makers, not property owners. So we must reach the world around us without abandoning the tent. And, and, and too many Christians' answer to this question has been to abandon the tent and to take up cultural residency in pursuit of cultural relevancy. But the pursuit of cultural acceptance always leads to cultural affection. Because if your ministry and your leadership is tied to cultural acceptance, you'll only be accepted by culture if you're affected by culture. For instance, culture today screams for you to be tolerant, but is only tolerant of you if you agree with it. So to be accepted by culture, you must be affected by culture. You must be a permanent part of culture. You must abandon the tent. But we have not been called to engage culture to gain acceptance. Rather, we have been called to engage culture to lead to repentance. So how do we do this without abandoning the tent? Well, Isaiah 54 gives the Christian a pretty great analogy about how to increase our influence without abandoning our identity. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 2, it says, Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. I really like that. Do not hold back. We, we've been called to be a people of influence. It, it is time for apostolics to enlarge the reach of our tents and the curtains of our habitations. In a culture like today, perhaps like never before, we need people who believe what the Bible says, who preach what the Bible says, and who live what the Bible says with the curtains wide open and the tent stretched as far as we can get it. So how do we do this? Well, there's two parameters according to Isaiah chapter 54. We have to lengthen our cords and we have to strengthen our stakes. I find it interesting that the lengthening is tied to the strengthening. The apostolic's answer to engaging culture is not merely to lengthen the cord, but also to strengthen the stake. See, the longer our cord gets, the stronger our stakes better be. This is why some apostolics walk away from truth and walk away from holiness and walk away from the very tents that they were saved in, deceiving themselves in the name of expanding their reach. They wanted longer cords, but never spent time strengthening the stakes. If, if I could whittle everything to one statement, it would be this. Increasing the footprint of our faith is not accomplished by going further. It's accomplished by going firmer. The further our cords reach, the firmer and the deeper our stakes better be. Remember, we are different. 
we are not permanent residents. We are tent makers. So our methods are counterintuitive sometimes. Engaging my culture here in Los Angeles does not mean preaching less truth. It means preaching more truth. The breadth of, of, of my tent and the length of my cords can only expand in direct correlation to the depth of my stakes. If we, we, we engage culture by being more like him and less like them. I firmly believe that as we proclaim this truth and live this truth, when our stakes strengthen, our cords can lengthen. I leave you with this in Genesis chapter 13, verse number five. <clears throat> Lot also who went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents, and now the land was not able to support them and that they might dwell together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock, the Canaanites and the Perizzites, then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Verse number nine, is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zor. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. They separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and he, he pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. Even as far as Sodom. Those words haunt me. It, what Lot did with his tent told the story there there were there were two fatal mistakes that lot made in regards to his tent the first thing was he separated from abraham yes they agreed to this yes there was strife with herdsmen uh there was possessions too great but that doesn't change the fact that this was in my opinion lot's greatest failure as a man i i think of the dynamic with elijah and elisha elijah said i'm not I'm going over there, but you stay here. And Elisha said, no offense, elder, no offense, pastor, no offense, leader, but I'm not letting my foundation out of my sight. Elisha refused to be separated from his foundation, and he received a double portion because of it. He refused to let Elijah separate from him. Young leader, young people, there comes a point in time where your proximity to your foundation is your responsibility. It's not your pastor's responsibility. It's not your parents' responsibility. It's not your elders' responsibility. It is your responsibility. I wonder what Lot's story would have ended like if Lot would have said, I will sacrifice whatever herdsman and whatever possession I have to sacrifice if that means that I can stay close to Abraham, if that means that I can stay moored to my foundation. Too many young leaders walk away from the very tents that saved them and kept them because they have differences with their Abraham. And oftentimes our elders will be gracious and, and get to the point where they say, well, you're going to do what you're going to do, so I can't stop you. I feel like that's kind of where Abraham was with Lot. Lot's going to do what Lot wants to do. But what would Lot's story look like if he had never separated from Abraham? There comes a point in time where our responsibility to staying moored to the foundation and keeping our tent in the right place has less to do with what our pastor does and it has more to do with what we do. And the second 
mistake that Lot made. And I, I'm, I'll leave you with this in terms of our tents and culture. Is Lot looked for land that looked like Egypt. Verse number 10 said, And Lot lifted his eyes, and he saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. He looked for land that looked like Egypt. And then he took his tent, and he went all the way as far as Sodom. There's a, a fatal error that so many young leaders make when they say, how close can I get to the world? I want to engage in culture, but how close can I reside to sin? Lot stretched his cords even as far as Sodom, but his stakes weren't strong, so he lost everything. I believe that we could stretch our cords as far as we need to to increase the footprint of this tent to enlarge our territory, to get as many lost people in today's culture as we can in this tent and on their way to heaven, but not at the, not, not, not if our stakes are not strengthened first, not if we leave the foundation and, and we leave a proximity to our upbringing and to our leaders, our pastors and the elders in our life. If we stretch out, our cords, without strengthening our stakes, we're in for a collapse. And I just wanted to leave you with that, that as we engage culture, as we reach this world, let's make sure we know who we are. Amen. What word tonight from our guest speaker, David McGovern. The topic tonight is engaging culture. And Brother McGovern, we have had a few questions come in. Uh, we want to go right to those. The first question we have is, has any particular outreach endeavor worked really well in Los Angeles to engage people? Can you talk to that student pastor out there who's looking at engaging their community? What are some things that you are doing? Certainly. I, we, um, we've had a couple of, of events that have worked really well for us, and essentially anytime um, we get out of the four walls of the church, and we connect with our community, uh, we've seen success. And it just goes back to enlarging the, the, the place of our tent, stretching those, those cords out. Um, we've done a couple of uh, big Easter services in the park where we had several hundred guests. And, um, and one thing that also works really well for us is our small groups. We do um, small groups that meet around the uh, Los Angeles area, and they've become also an outreach endeavor. We have one small group in particular that meets in North Hollywood, and it has essentially become our young adult small group. And over the last uh, few months, we've baptized um, three, and we've seen two get the Holy Ghost. These are young adults um, in the Hollywood area. And we're seeing results from this. Um, Excellent. You know, just kind of anytime you, you get out of the four walls and engage your community, I think you're going to see results. And I will add here, through the General Youth Division, uh, student pastors can use Project 2239, and we have a whole guide on ways you can engage your community. Now, it's easy to talk about the wins and, and going out and reaching your community and things that went well, but... We have on the flip side the question, what didn't work 
at all? And what are some things maybe to avoid in this area? Yeah, you know, I mean, for us, um, what what hasn't worked? Uh, two things: mailers and mindsets. <laughs> so moving into a place like LA and, and starting a church, um, we sent out a lot of mailers, spent a lot of money on mailers, and mailers just have not worked at all for us. Um, but really, what what has been, um, you know, probably some of our biggest failure has just been mindsets. Um, we, you know, an, an organization's tendency is to protect what is acquired. And it, it takes a lot to acquire something when starting a church. And, and this is the same thing working in youth ministry. It takes a lot of work to acquire. It takes a lot of work to build. And, and when you feel like you've built a little something um, and you feel like you've got a little something going on, it's easy to sort of get into protection mode or maintenance mode and just sort of focus on on what you have. And that, that creates sort of a culture of, of just maintaining what you have. Um, and so trying to break some of those mindsets, trying not to get caught in the trap, of it, it, it does take so much to get something off the ground, so much effort, so much work, so much energy, time, blood, sweat, tears, money, all of that that um, when we get a little something going on to not just move into maintenance mode, we got to break some of the, some of those mindsets. And some of the ways that we've done that is, is I, I challenge our team to when we meet and when there's an idea or we need to talk about something we're doing, whether or not it's working or not working. Um, I, I challenge them to not ask this question. Uh, is it good or do you like it? And start asking what's wrong with it. And being open about what's wrong with some of the mindsets behind some of the things that we're doing. And uh, I think I picked this up as a designer. You, you've got to have thick skin. I, I, it's funny when, you know, you see some, sometimes people will post a design online and they'll ask people, do you like it? That's not the right question to ask. You're, you're looking for just affirmation or validation. The question that needs to be asked is, what's wrong with it? And if you ask that question, do you like it or is it good? Uh, that means that in your mind it's already it's already good and somebody should like it. And when somebody comes at you with a critique, because perhaps they see something you you don't, um, then that's where you know offenses get in and 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 uh, sacred cows and all of that. And so I think you got to ask ask the right questions and, and move beyond is it good? Do we like it? Into um, what's wrong with it? What's wrong with it? And, and when we start asking those questions, we got to ask the right questions. And um, we can start, you know, kind of pulling the weeds and, and growing, growing the roses, as, as it were. And we, we have a natural tendency to hang on to things. We, we, we like to justify our decisions by hanging on um, regardless of the outcome. Sometimes we cling to decisions we made because we've invested so much into it. But, you know, I think a secure leader and one that is really uh, – you know, interested in reaching people and engaging culture, will ask the, the hard questions and, and be willing to listen to the answers. That's very good. I want to remind everyone the hashtag is AskGYD. We have another question uh, that came. What about, you know, when I worked full-time in uh, student ministry, um, I was a part of some different associations, um, Lions Club, Rotary. What about service clubs and what about ministerial associations? 
and how can that help you get some connections in your community? Listen, I, I feel like any way that you can connect with the community outside the property lines of your of your local church is going to help you engage the culture. Culture is not just geography. Um, it's not just, I mean, the culture here in L.A. is probably different than the culture in, in um, you know, Kalamazoo, Michigan, or, or some other place, but um, culture is is more than just geography. You've got, even within a church, you've got uh, youth ministry. That's a whole different culture than uh, kids ministry, which is a, an entirely different culture than adult ministry. And And so we need to learn how to, engage culture outside of the four walls or outside of the property lines um, of our churches. And uh, I, I believe that many, anything that has a redemptive value and allows you to connect with people who um, are, are not a part of your, your church or um, your organization is, is going to be a good thing in the long run. We, when we first moved to Los Angeles, one of the first things I did was I, I found and got on like a, a a clergy board in my city, and it was it was wacky. I mean, I'm telling you, it was crazy. We had we had all kinds of weirdos on this board, um, and uh, I, I think I don't even need to expand on that. Just leave it at that. You can imagine pastors of certain congregations in Hollywood and all this stuff going on. And but I I just got on it and just wanted to make connections. And um, one of the connections I made was was the only other spirit field congregation in our community in Glendale, which Glendale is about 250,000 people in just a little pocket of LA. And in our little pocket of LA, there's only two spirit filled churches and he's a Trinitarian pastor, um, a Spanish, uh, Spanish Trinitarian Foursquare, which is a, a Pentecostal sort of denomination. Anyway, he was the only other spirit-filled guy on this board. So we, he, he has broken English, but we just kind of naturally gravitated to each other, and built a friendship, just started going out to lunch. And uh, he, a couple years ago, re, uh, acquired a building and remodeled it. And he called me, he called me uh, a few months ago, and he said that God had put us on his heart and that he wanted us to lease his building. And we'd been praying for a building. We needed a building. And without that connection, being a part of a club, as it were, or some sort of a council, without that connection, um, you know, we that that door would have never been open to us. So, I believe that it's a good thing. That's excellent. One more question. I know this is going to be difficult to answer in two minutes or less, but maybe you can give a, a few tips. Talk about how to engage the lost while still maintaining separation and holiness convictions. Just give us a few tips on that particular question. Wow, that's a great question. Um, I, I would I would start just by saying that there really is nothing more uniquely apostolic than engaging our culture and reaching this world. Um, you know, you look at the book of Acts and the book of Acts chapter two, um, where the Spirit of God was poured out, and it, it wasn't so that they could build a culture in that upper room, but it was so that they would be empowered to go out from that upper room and go out into the city and to begin to speak to people. Um, and the Bible says indeed that they begin to speak to people in their native tongue. 
I believe that when you get the Holy Ghost, it gives you the power to speak to people in your culture in a way that resonates with them. And that's what the Holy Ghost really does. It's, it gives us that empowerment to, to speak into people's life. And, um, and, it, and it paved the way for the preach word of God. They went out of that upper room and, and kind of caused the scene. And people started asking questions, and those questions gave Peter the platform to begin to preach uh, Acts chapter 2, uh, 38. And, and so there's nothing more apostolic than engaging culture. It's not a, an either-or proposition. Um, I look at it this way. The church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. Jesus, in Luke 19.10 was said to come to seek and save, to seek and save, to seek and save. Um, so there's relationship in the seeking. There's engagement in the seeking that leads to salvation, that leads to purpose. And and so we we maintain who we are, I believe, by being evangelistic and, and by – in reaching into our culture and engaging with our culture. Um, and again, going back into my talk, into my notes, there was, if we will shore up what we believe and who we are, uh, if we'll drive those stakes down deeper, those, those cords can stretch further and we can be effective in, in evangelism. And, um, and I believe that we could go evangelize and we could, we could knock on, we can knock on the, on the door that's next door to hell and not change who we are if we have our stakes driven down so deep and we stay true to our foundation. But uh, there's nothing more apostolic in my mind than, than being evangelistic. What an incredible, incredible time, Brother McGovern. Thank you for sharing your heart with us, sharing these thoughts. Uh, one of the youth pastors, veteran youth workers, you know, that I respect so much, and the words you've said tonight are incredible. For those that haven't been able to be on the call tonight, they will get the opportunity to listen back in on the podcast that's going to be made available. And so I cannot thank you enough for taking time to share these thoughts with us. Um, I do want to take just a moment and let those know before we conclude here tonight that our next community call will be taking place on Tuesday, September the 6th at 8 p.m. Central Time. Uh, so please go out if you've enjoyed tonight uh, and let others know about it. Be watching on social media for the promotion and let others know. Uh, make sure that they're a part of that call as well. We're looking forward, forward to an incredible call coming up uh, there the first Tuesday of September, September 6th at 8 p.m. Also, if you have not heard about it yet, we're extremely excited about our resource, thecommunity.com. Uh, this is a website specifically designed for youth workers. This has gone, uh, undergone a fresh remodel. It's been basically rebuilt around search and upload functionality broken down between junior high, senior high, 
college and then even a whole series of miscellaneous files there and for those in the past that have tried to use it and it wasn't very mobile friendly we've made it completely mobile friendly it's more than a new face it's a entire entirely new uh, search and download opportunity and we're getting incredible compliments but at the same time just like what Brother McGovern was saying a few moments ago we want you to let us know ways that we can make it better uh, so those that are signed in, those that are in the trenches here teaching and leading in youth ministry, please make sure that you let us know. Email me personally, jcarson at upci.org, anything that you see on the site that we can do to help make it better. And last but certainly not least, you understand here at the General Youth Division that everything that we're doing is underwritten by Sheaves for Christ. And those of you that are signed on, we, we thank you for what you've already done and what you've been doing this year, raising funds sacrificially, personally getting invested in She's for Christ. We do have our sacrificial offering date coming up at the end of this month on August 28th. Um, I'm hoping and believing that you personally, as, along with your youth groups and your churches, will be uh, working to help us reach this $5 million goal in North America. There are multiple videos and promotional resources available at SheesForChrist.com. And there again, anything you ever see that we can do to serve better, please don't hesitate to call us at the General Youth Division office or to send any of us an email. And we, uh, we're glad to respond and do our best to make it better. We're here to serve you. Uh, what a great night we've had here on our first uh, community call. So as we conclude here tonight, let's just say a prayer and ask God's blessing uh, over what we've heard, that we can not only be hearers, but that we can be doers and that we can uh, take what we've heard and put it to application in our life. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the incredible words that have been shared with us here tonight. I pray blessing upon every youth pastor, every youth director, every youth worker or aspiring youth worker that's got on the call tonight every man and every woman, dear Lord, that has a burden to serve you and to lead students in this generation. I'm asking for your blessing and your favor. Let us take what we've heard and let us apply it to our lives in the days and the weeks to come. In Jesus' name, amen.